Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. Now, before I ask you how it's going, I'm going to put some earplugs in because I see who else is on the screen right now. I don't want my brain to melt. Yes, Kathy's here. Hello, hello. (laughs) No melting brains. That's just messy. Please and thank you. You're no fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't got much to spare, Kelly. I'm really at the end of the day. I understand. (laughs) We were having that conversation just a minute ago. We were. We were. Very long days. Kathy is here. So we must be talking, what is mythology, maybe? Yes. Yes. And we're, we're going all the way back to the beginning of time. Ooh, that sounds... Sounds stupid. We're going to need a, a longer episode. Well, it's a two parter. <laughs> it's us. We can do it quick. You know that. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's not something said. to be excited about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's yeah. a different topic anyway. altogether. Although, so which you know, aspect? we are talking creation myths. So yeah, you kind of have go. to go there to have creation. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. So, what, what do we mean by creation myths? Well, so creation myths are the stories that different cultures tell to talk about how the world came into being and how humans came to be upon it and where the gods and goddesses came from and things like that. So each culture has their own creation myth. And yet, as we go through these, you're going to recognize some some common elements there. So, yeah, we're going to, I think... um, 
Kathy, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I think if I start from that introduction, they're going to be confused as all get out because the the one of the ones that I'm talking about is um, it's a indigenous and it's circular. There's there's all I mean it's fascinating, but from that introduction, I would start with a more traditional, and then we'll hair off into the woo area. Then we will start with the Greeks. And we will talk about the Greek creation myth, which uh, involves the Titans. So those of us of, of our age group here, my, my age group, the Clash of the Titans movie. Yay. Oof. Okay. There's your reference. There's your pop culture reference to it. So, um, but what I love about the Greek creation myth is that it's in the beginning, there was chaos, Right. And I talk all the time about dipping into the chaos realms to create things. And, you know, that I do chaos magic. That's that's what I do. And so I am dipping into that primordial chaos from which everything was created, according to Greek mythos um, and chaos being, you know, the nothingness, the, the primordial soup. Right. And out of that emerged Gaia the earth. Okay. And, you know, other divine beings. So there was Eros, which is love. And Kathy and I had this conversation and she had this conversation with her shaman too, of, is the, the fundamental nature of the universe chaos or undifferentiated energy, right? Or is it love? And, and Kathy believes it's love and I believe it's chaos. And so does her other shaman that she worked with. And so, but, you know, they, they, emerged with the earth love emerged with the earth according to to the greeks so they they believe we're the same both thing right. i do <laughs> i'm right the chaos we're was both worse. right <laughs> the greeks are siding with me damn it okay here we go <laughs> chickens and eggs chickens and uh, eggs. whatever so you got gaia you got love or eros in this case uh which is a god in this scenario divine being, and the abyss, which is part of the underworld. And if you look in the tree of life in the Kabbalah, the abyss is that that point that you have to cross, that void that you have to cross at the top of the tree of life to get to Keter. Yes. To get into the supernal temple. The supernal temple. Thank you. I knew you would be able to answer that because you know that stuff better than I do. And with the abyss, which is part of the underworld in this scenario, is the Erebus, which is the unknowable place where death dwells. Now, you've got all of these beings, and yet the gods, the titans, actually were born from Gaia. But before she gave birth to them, she first gave birth to the sky, or Uranus, right? Which is interesting that we now have a planet. The Earth gave birth to the sky, and then the sky impregnated her, and she gave birth to the Titans. And there were six of each of the Titans, male and female. And the last one born was Kronos. Kronos. And Kronos is the god of time, right? And after which they were like, okay, we've got time, we're good, right? Like, we don't need any more. we got 12 babies. That's sufficient, right? And so this is 
the main gods. These are the the gods of of the the general archetypes, right? And then we get into what would become the Olympians. And the Olympians are the ones that most people think of. Zeus, Hera, Aphrodite, um, Athena. Athena, thank you. All of these were a product of Cronus and his sister slash wife, Rhea, R-H-E-A. And they were born from him, from that union, but he kept eating them <laughs> because, because there was a, a story that they were going, that he would be overthrown by one of his children. And Rhea got pissed off about this. She's like, you got to stop eating my kids. It's pissing me off. And so she hid Zeus and fed Cronus a stone wrapped in a blanket. And Zeus, when he got older, fed his dad a drink that caused him to retch, and he threw up all of the other children and the stone. And then Cronus and all of the other titans were hurled into uh, a, down into imprisonment in the abyss. Okay? And so this is the story. And, and there's a lot of other things that happened with all of the, the Olympians, but I want to just mention a couple of things in here because they get a little bit more interesting um, and, and they start to correlate to Christian uh, creation myth. And one of that is that Prometheus tricked Zeus at one point and therefore Zeus created Pandora, who was the first woman, right? So Prometheus created the first man out of clay. Right? Sound familiar? Right? And then Zeus created the first woman. She was beautiful. She was wealthy. And she had a deceptive heart and a lying tongue. Yeah. Okay. But he gave her the box, which we have all heard of, Pandora's box, and that which she was never supposed to open, but eventually opened and, you know, released all the evils, plagues, and sorrows and whatever. Right? Now, does that not sound like Adam and Eve and the Tree of Knowledge? And the do not eat the apple, right? Sounds an awful lot like that to me. (laughs) And this is what we find as we go through creation myths. We will find lots and lots of references in which this will happen. In in the Sumerian myths of old, there's stories of a great flood and of building an ark. And go figure, we see that again in the Christian texts, right? So these things happen over and over again within creation mythology. And even when you go across different cultures, you'll see things very similar. So I'm going to let Kathy talk for a minute and then we'll, we'll together, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about Christian creation myths since that's probably the one you're most commonly aware of. And we'll do that at the end. So you want me to talk about the one that I said I was going to? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, everything Kelly's been talking to you about is if you think Greeks and Olympians and Christianity and Sumeria and all the rest of that, that comes from a particular part of the world. And it under it is the underpinning of a lot of Western civilization. So I decided that um, when we were going to do this creation myth and 
there's one for every culture. I mean, there were so many. This is a, you know, a half hour long podcast. There's no way that we could be, even begin to scratch the surface of all the, the richness of all the various creation myths. Um, but I had spent some time in Australia a number of years ago and had um, gone through a particular process where I was hanging out with some Aboriginals and um, sort of was introduced to um, some of their concepts as much as they would explain to Westerners about uh, the dream time and uh, the their creation process. Um, there are more than 600 Aboriginal languages in Australia. None of them, none of them have a word for time. Time is not part of their concept. There is no past, present, or future unfolding because creation is constantly recreating. It is, it is like a, it's, it's emerging from the dream time and coming into reality and folding back into the dream time again. And so initially, initially they believed there was nothing. And depending on which part of Australia you're in, if you're in the, in the dry part where there's rocks and gullies in the center, um, one of the creation um, ancestors was the rainbow serpent who basically slithered through the area and carved the, um, the different pieces of the land. And if you're up in the rainy part, it was the rain spirits who created the, the, the rain, the wet and the dry that exist in the, along the northern coast, northeastern coast of Australia. Um, so they had an animistic, in that sense, um, approach, but they are a 65,000-year-old culture that has been continuous in their oral traditions, in their walking of the land, in their unfolding of the dream time, in their rituals, in their art, in all the other things, which is why to them, because they are in a constant state of creating and recreating that folding out of the dream time and into the dream time, that the um, that every every piece of land, every stone, every gully, every everything is sacred because it's all part of the constant creation. There is no beginning per se. Like I said, over 600 languages, distinct languages that they use, none of them have a word for time. So this is, um, it's a, it's a very different, very non-Western orientation because it's not time. It's not linear. This is a circular creation myth in that sense, because they are, um, so all their traditions, their rituals, their the the beings that originally brought about all the the gullies and the stones and the it taught them laws and it taught them rituals and it taught them how to uh, continuously create. So all these things that the the rituals that they engage in still to the extent that they're practiced are all about the constant recreation of the earth. Um, when I used to go to neo pagan gatherings, um, there used to be three shifts of drummers. Okay. And the first, the first shift was wild and crazy and everybody was going, you know, nuts. And then everybody get tired of that. The second shift of drummers would be kind of like, okay, now we're going to, now we're going to do some ritual and we're going to drop into more rhythmic kinds of things, which is the sense I got from the Aboriginal work. 
But the Aboriginal work also takes into the same concept that happens with third shift drummers. And third shift drummers are have to stay up because it is their responsibility to drum up the sun. Okay. And in in the Australian or in the Aboriginal context of creation, it is their responsibility to recreate creation, to literally drum up the sun. Um, not only the sun, but but all of creation and what they do. So it's a very different, I mean, it's very rich and I would encourage people to, you know, read about it and explore it. Um, you aren't going to find a singular story, each of the various, um, you know, we said it comes out of culture, but Aboriginal culture is very rich and very diverse. But 65,000 years, okay, the Greeks weren't even in, you know, even in existence at that point in time and their stories and their rituals and their land and the understanding of it and how they are in the world and how they create the world, um, persists, you know, continues. Um, and I find it very magical. I'm sorry. I just said really cool concept. Yeah. Well, and think about it in terms of magic. Are we not always saying we create our reality? Okay. And so as we change ourselves, our reality changes. Microcosm reflects macrocosm. I mean, it was like the, the Aboriginal cultures are the original magicians. It, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Well, and I'm, I'm reminded of being at the Spiral Festival in Atlanta 20 years ago and singing up the sun and the magic of that process and the sitting, sitting with people before the dawn coming out, you know, in the, in the dark of night and, and waiting, um, and singing and singing until the sun rises and peaks over the mountaintops. And it was, it it literally is magical. It is amazing. And to, to join your voices together in song or to, to join your hands together in drumming and to connect to yourself, to others and to the earth and to the sun and to bringing things into fruition. It's, it is truly magical. And when you think about, I mean, you and I had that experience in drumming and singing up, think about a culture that has existed for thousands of years where this is imbued into your very being from the moment of your birth. Yeah. That this is your reality, that the, that this dream time that is consistently folding and unfolding and that you have a role in that process. And there is no past or present or future. It just is. And you are part of it. It's like living in a tesseract. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a big, uh, what is it? A wrinkle in time, right? No, not Marvel. (laughs) I'm a big Marvel fan too, but wrinkle in time, right? Madeline Langham. Yeah. So, but you know, this, this concept, and this is, this is a very shamanic concept of the, the idea of the waking dream versus the sleeping dream and, you know, being in constantly in a state of, of creation of your own, your own creation, right? And whether you're asleep or awake, you're creating your reality through the dream. It's as much of a, an energetic as it is a mental construct, right? So, yes, that's pretty cool. So, I'm I'm almost wishing we had done the entire episode on it. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to move on to Christianity. So, um, you know, we talked about the Christian mythos a little bit in in counterpoint to the Greek uh, with the idea of 
Adam and Eve. And I, I heard the greatest thing ever on TikTok and I just have to share because <laughs> that's, yeah, I just can't help myself. But there was this, uh, there was this person who was like, oh, you know, this is, if you think about it, here's the deal, right? So Adam was made out of clay, right? And then God took a rib from Adam to make Eve. Well, if you take a rib from Adam, you've created a clone. So that's the world's first clone. And then because the clone would be male, then you have to make it female. And now you have the very first transgender person. And so Eve was the first cloned and clone and transgender person, according to this person on TikTok, which I absolutely love that idea. So yes. Um, and it's, it's actually not that far fetched, right. Um, in terms of the, the, I mean, it's no more far fetched than saying, Hey, he grabbed a rib out of Adam and, and made Eve out of it. Right. And then, you know, Kathy, you and I were talking before about the actual origin of the creation for Christianity, which is, you know, and God said, let there be light, right? And you want to talk about that word, the Elohim? Ah, that word, yes. In the initial, in the beginning part, uh, you know, everybody reads it in English, or most people read it in English, right? But it wasn't in English to begin with. And the word in the original text um, for God was plural. So if it had been translated properly, it would have been in the beginning, the gods created the earth and the heavens, not God, singular. So the, there are many things that have shifted in translation. Not only is there a, an initial creation myth right? Because whoever was writing that, you know, thousands of years ago, this wasn't, they weren't watching God do it, right? They're, they're post event. So they're documenting what they think was real. And they said the gods, but then other people get a hold of the texts and start editing them. And there have been numerous edits and biblical scholars will, will can point out where things have been edited and rewritten because they can see the changes in the text and the changes in, in the wording. Some of the stuff can come out, um, can be teased out of the overall process. So, um, but it's interesting that not only was it plural, but speaking to magic again, in terms of a creation myth, it was in the beginning was the word and the word was with the gods, and the word was gods. And words are energetic containers, right? I mean, you may be able to feel something, but when you can wrap a word around it, it's like a box, and you grab it, and you put it in there and say, okay, now I have defined it. Um, In a lot of magical traditions, names, if you know something's name, you have power over it. And so here is, exactly. So here we are with you know, the word was with God and the word was God. Um, still in the Jewish traditions, they don't use, in the more orthodox traditions, they do not use God's Hebrew name because it's not, that's that's a power name and you're not allowed to use it. I read a, a story once where if when all the names of God were known, the earth would come to an end and somebody, you know, the, everything would come to an end, not just the earth, the universe. And they were, they built a supercomputer to generate all the names of God. 
and it was a sci-fi story and they were coming to the end of the run and everything started to disappear. So uh, words are powerful in most creation myths. Even in the Christian one, it talks about gods, plural. There are some inconsistencies, for example, right? God created Eden and put in Adam and Eve, right? Well, but Adam and Eve left Eden. Where did they go? There must have been something created other than Eden or some part that wasn't created by that particular set of gods or God. So there's a part of the, when we look at our creation stories, one of the things that they help us do is make sense of the world through a particular lens. But that lens is cultural. That lens is specific to translators, has been shaped by translators. That lens has been shaped by um, editing. So the what I look at in terms of the creation myths is to say, we hunger to know where we came from. We want to understand how we got here to give us a foundation to stand on about where we're going. And so my statement is, you know, find a foundation that works for you, you know, whatever makes sense in your context so that you can then use it to move forward into the life you're meant to live. Create your own myth, create your own life, move into your own story of creation. And I would tack on to that because all of these myths have their, that if you, if you read enough of these, they do intersect and they intersect over and over again. And there are common themes played out and there's all kinds of things that, that happen in that regard. And it makes you realize that there's, there's some commonalities here, right? And, and we're all seeing different facets of the same gem. We're just seeing them from a different angle. Or we're seeing something that's been rewritten from something else that was rewritten from something else, right? And so before you go and look at somebody and go, you're wrong, you know, you know, realize that there's probably a lot of commonalities. <laughs> and if somebody is saying, well, this is, this is the only right way, well, they just don't know what the commonalities are or they, they don't want to know. And that's okay. They're holding their own reality and you can hold yours. You know, I've, I've said this a long time. I love everyone. I just love some people from further away than others, right? <laughs> they can have their reality and you can have yours in different places, right? The segmentation, the fracturing, especially of American culture right now is horrifying. You know, I, I actually got on Facebook the other day and a, a woman that I knew in high school, uh, we were not friends in high school. We're not friends now, but we are friends on Facebook, right? Um, she had posted something about uh, anti-vaccination stuff and I came back with science and she said, I respectfully disagree. And I went, oh, a breath of fish, fresh air. I, I so appreciate that. And therefore, I say I respectfully disagree as well, right? Because it's, it's so unusual to hear that now. It's so unusual for people to, to, to take that and to be um, reasonable with someone disagreeing with them. And when we're talking religion, 
when we're talking belief structures, when we're talking faith, we have to acknowledge that everyone has their own belief structures and that there's a reason for it. And that faith is not a one size fits all thing. It never will be. It can't be because we are all unique individuals. And so we have to have compassion for and uh, respect for other traditions, other faiths, other belief structures, and preferably a curiosity about those things so that we can learn and expand our perspectives and, and be able to appreciate one another rather than, you know, fighting. We don't want to fight. There's no reason to. You know, your beliefs are going to be your beliefs and nobody's going to change them. Why bother fighting about it? I referred to the, um, I call them spiritual technologies. You know, they start with a creation myth and it's a spiritual technology. And that a spiritual technology is designed just like um, uh, Microsoft or an Apple or whatever. It's, it's technology is to be used. And spiritual technology is designed to be used to evolve you as in my belief system, um, into uh, a more whole, a more healthy, a more loving human being. And that part of our problem with spiritual technologies is that we have lost sight of, you know, this particular technology works for this person and this technology works for that person. But it isn't about the technology. It's about where it's taking you, how it's evolving you. And that evolution is challenging. It's difficult. It can be painful. It is, it is all those things. And so it becomes easier to stop in the middle of the technology and worship the technology and say, it's not about where it's taking me. I'm just going to, my technology is better than your technology. My technology is right. Your technology is wrong. Okay. And then we have technology wars, spiritual technology wars, the crusades, you know, historically, when we start worshiping our technologies, instead of understanding that they were all designed, all of them, to allow us to live full lives, even even when the, in the Aboriginal, they were given laws, they were given rules, they were given ways to survive, they they had um, part of that whole process of creation was about how to live on the land and do well and thrive. And I, you know, when we lose sight of that and we just become technology wars, um, we've lost, I think, a critical element of what makes us human. All right. Well, you guys said we were going to go all the way back. And I think we went back in a couple of different ways, a whole bunch of ways back. (laughs) The only thing I would add is that... um, do what brings you joy. You know, it's, it's do what brings love, do what brings healing, do what brings peace. That, that that's whatever it is you choose to believe, allow it to shape you in a way that you bring that into the world. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, I guess that we'll use that as a Kellyism too. It's a Kathyism here. It's a Kathyism. <laughs> We've always said we're interchangeable. (laughs) (laughs) And it's proven again here. Well, that is all that we have for this week, but be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I am Joey C here with Kelly Sparta and Kathy Shiren, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. 
Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under a Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to www.creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up for or get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to www.kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions, with post-production by Christopher Wright. Into my home and my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing? But you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.